Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Gay scouts, gay scout leaders. That's a possibility. The ban from the Boy Scouts of America was reaffirmed in July of last year, but the word was at their uh, winter meetings in uh, Texas that the Boy Scouts of America may vote to lift the ban. The word today is that they have delayed that decision until May. Uh, That's when uh, the board members, 1,400 voting members of the National Council, will consider the matter. We're going to talk about the issue today. It's uh, aroused a lot of discussion. Should the Boy Scouts of America lift their ban, the proposal apparently, which uh, may still be voted on in May, would be to lift the national ban and let uh, local units decide whether to admit openly gay leaders and scouts. The Great Salt Lake Council urged the National BSA organization not to reverse the policy and to continue the discussion, and they get their wish at least until May. We're going to throw out the following questions and others to you. The number is 1-800-826-1495. We'd love to get your perspective on this. Would allowing participation of gay scouts and leaders enhance or harm the scouting experience for you? What would you urge your church to do? And the vast majority of sponsoring organizations are churches if the decision reverts to the sponsoring organization. Who should decide? And uh, why should or shouldn't BSA reverse its policy? Is this a question of religious beliefs, morals, or fairness? We bring in, in studio, the mother of two Eagle Scouts, Dory Burt. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Your boys are now in their 20s, but had a successful they experience. They in, did. In the program. So we'll be getting your opinion on, on the matter. Uh, we bring in, as well, uh, to discuss this matter, uh, Robert Starling. Welcome to the program. Glad to be here. Thank you. And I understand you've, uh, you've been a Scout leader. Yes, for many years. <laughs> uh, great. L- long-time scout leader, and uh, I don't know if you went through the program yourself as a boy. Yes, I was an Eagle Scout. Uh, I was a Cub Scout. I uh, uh, worked as a, a counselor, a youth counselor, at uh, on the staff of uh, Scout Camp down in Georgia for three years. I've been involved with scouting all my life. I have a son who's an Eagle, and uh, as I said, I was an Eagle myself. Okay. And uh, uh, Eagle Scout and USU student, Kelton Wells. Kelton, welcome to the program. Yes, glad to be here. And I understand you're a bit under the weather, so we appreciate you being on with us. Uh, Not a problem. So we appreciate the three of you uh, coming in to to talk about this. And, of course, we're throwing these questions out to uh, you as well, 1-800-826-1495. Or you can uh, participate at upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. This decision has been delayed till May, but it seems like the Boy Scouts of America is under uh, extreme pressure. A couple of their board members are uh, apparently, if they don't lift the national ban, are threatening to uh, leave. A lot of corporate money. Understand that uh, two hundred sixty-nine million dollars is the revenue from the Boy Scouts. Only fifty-one million, if you could say only about that, in dues. <laughs> uh, so there's a you know there's a lot of corporate money coming in and uh, supply of sales, but fifty-one uh, million dollars. On the other side, about twenty-five percent of boys are in sponsoring organizations uh, made up by uh, the LDS Church and Catholics, uh, two uh, conservative religions, uh, who may or may not uh, pull their boys. So a lot at stake here, and that's maybe why they have. Uh, delayed this uh, until uh, until May. Uh, let me start with you, uh, James Starling. Uh, what is your position on this? What would you urge the national organization to do? It's Robert Starling. Oh, Robert, and, sorry about that. Yeah. And I, I would urge the uh, uh, national organization to keep the membership standards that it's had for the last over 100 years, 103 years. It has served the organization well, and it... Uh, um, it uh, is consistent with the principles of the Scout Oath and Law, which are the core values of the organization. Uh, oh, and uh, do you see this? You see this primarily as a what, a moral question, religious question. Well, it, it is a moral question, and of course, morals and religion are very closely linked. Uh, and uh, but uh, Baden Powell, the founder of, of Scouting, was very um, insistent that Scouting was not just you know, something to teach boys to build fires and to uh, tie knots and everything. It was to build character, and uh, that's why in the in the Scout Oath, which is, as I say, is the founding uh, uh, principles, we say, uh, you know, on my honor, I will do my best to do my duty to God and my country and to obey the Scout law, to help other people at all times, to keep myself physically strong, mentally awake, and morally straight. And this would come under the morally straight. 
Exactly. Okay. Uh, Dory Burt, what, what's your position on this? What would you urge the national organization, or if it reverted to your, to your local unit, what would you urge them to do? To lift the ban. Um, absolutely. And I am hoping that that's the way they make their decision. Um, and I would say that lifting the ban is actually more in line with the scout law and oath, where in the, um, in the scout law, under the BSA in, in, in the handbook and on the website, it gives a, a more clear definition of what these different, excuse me, things mean. Obedient, it means, according to the Boy Scouts, if someone thinks these rules and laws are unfair, he should have them changed in an orderly manner, which seems like exactly what is happening right now. And under the Boy Scout oath, the Boy Scouts' own definition of morally straight is you should respect and defend the rights of all people. It doesn't say certain people. It says all people. And um, we are missing reaching out to a, a large section of our society by not allowing our gay boys to be in Boy Scouts. And we're missing out on the great that leaders who are gay, that they can contribute to the program. Mm. So I, I, that's what I would urge them to do, and that's what I 100% hope that they would do. Mm. Of course, the decision now is coming in, in May. Let's turn to uh, Kelton Wells, Eagle Scout, uh, current USU student. What's your position on this? You know, for me, this really comes down to being an, a discriminatory issue for me. Um, I really feel like the things that I learned as a scout, uh, this ban on gay members, those, that's not, those aren't the values that I felt I learned as a gay, as a scout. And so, you know, it's an issue that when I received my Eagle Scout, um, I would have told you differently, quite honestly. I would have said, oh, it's probably okay, but I hadn't experienced my sophomore year of college, uh, having two really close friends, uh, come out as gay and it really brought the issue to more of a personal level to me and made me realize that uh, being gay didn't make them different people and they were just as deserving of everything that I was deserving of and so really that is that's the core issue for me is that we are holding an opportunity from gay youth in America that helped shape, shape me into the man that I am. And I just really don't see that as a fair thing for gay youth who would want to be involved in the scouting organization because it's an amazing organization that builds, that builds good, honest people. Mm. We're talking about admission of uh, gay leaders and gay scouts into the Boy Scouts of America. You have an opportunity to weigh in on this issue, and we're throwing out questions to you. Would allowing participation of gay scouts and leaders enhance or harm the scouting experience? Uh, and uh, can what I make would a comment? You, uh, yes, go ahead. Um, the, you know, the question comes in my mind. Uh, that, um, Dory, you know, quoted from the handbook that uh, to to be morally straight was to respect and and uh, defend the rights of all people. And I guess the question is, what is a right at this point? You know, I, when I was uh, in college, like uh, like Carlton, and uh, I went to Georgia Tech for a couple of years, and they had an organization there called the Baptist Student Union. And uh, as a non-Baptist, you know, I might have wanted to join that because maybe they had some cool parties or great activities, or maybe I thought they, uh, as Colin said, you know, uh, made better citizens or whatever. Uh, but if you know, even though their group their group espoused beliefs different from my own, because I wasn't a Baptist. But if I if I tried to go into that club and say, okay, I want to be a member of your of your club, um, but but I don't believe what you believe, and uh, the question is, do I have a right to do that, or do they have a right to set their own standards for who becomes a member of the church? So, I think it's been. Uh, the, the, the policy of the scouts has been mischaracterized as not respecting the de or defending the rights of all people. The, the, the legitimate rights of an individual, um, I, don't, I don't think they include the, you know, to bully your way into someone else's organization. Dory Burt, uh, response. Um, sure. 
Well, I don't think I don't think anyone's really trying to bully their way into an organization. I think I've been at least very impressed with kind of the orderly way that that this has happened, collecting of signatures and debate. But as far as I'll I'll approach this from my Mormon perspective, if you have uh, the Boy Scouts of America is the activity arm of the Mormon Church. It's not. You don't get to choose. That's that's what it is. And so if you have a uh, boy in your congregation, in my congregation, who is gay, yeah, his rights are being denied because every single other 12-year-old boy, 13-year-old boy is in the activity arm of his church, but he can't be. And so that is that's just unfair, and it's uh, it's wrong to me. Uh, Mr. Starling, let, uh, yeah, yes, go ahead, uh, Mr. Wells. Uh, well, going off of that comment, um, it's interesting to me, too, that, uh, and this is coming as a member of the LDS Church as well, that the LDS Church has uh, taught for a little while now that being gay itself is not a sin in the eyes of the Church. So you are able to have full membership in the Church as a gay person, but you can't be involved in the scouting program. And so to me, that that seems like a discrepancy. And well, that's, that you, keeping gays uh, out of the scouting program is just a sweeping generalization that gays are bad, gays don't believe in God, gays don't espouse the scout oath and the scout law. And my experience with people who are homosexuals, it has not been that way. That's not the type of people they are. Mr. Starling, I, I know you want to respond. Yes, um, and, uh, you know, the LDS Church has come out recently with statements indicating that, you know, we should uh, not, uh, you know, turn our backs on people with same-sex attraction, and I, I agree with that. I think we need to be compassionate, we need to be understanding, and uh, and understand that, uh, you know, every person is a child of God. However, the um, the... Uh, church also says that um, that um, they should not act on those feelings, and, and uh, if they don't have attractions to the opposite sex, that they should remain celibate. Uh, going back to uh, uh, Dory's uh, talk about the 12 and 13 year old boys, I think it's important to realize that you know 12 and 13 year old boys shouldn't be thinking or talking about sex anyway. Not that they don't, of course. I have a 13 year old grandson, but um, we it, it should not be part of the um, discussion of scouting uh, boys at that age, you know, to be morally straight, and, and you know, in the LDS Church, uh, as I grew up, we, um, you know, the the whole idea is that to be morally straight or to be moral or to be chaste means you don't uh, you don't have premarital sex and you don't have it with with members of either gender, and so I think the whole injecting of this sexual issue into the lives of unboy of young boys, which it's you know it hasn't been done by scouting. It's been done by this uh, activist uh, homosexual community that is trying to you know force this issue, and uh, you know they they have caused the the, Na- the National Council of the Boy Scouts of America to expend millions of dollars in defending their right to uh, maintain their own standards of membership through lawsuits that have been brought against the scouts by the gay activists. And uh, and it has damaged scouting. It's 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 taken those millions of dollars that were spent in defending itself and winning in the Supreme Court, by the way, uh, could have been spent helping boys and and growing the program and and other things that would be much more beneficial. Let's uh, we're going to take a break. We need to take a break here, uh, but then when we come back, we'll uh, get a response to to those points made by Mr. Starling from. Uh from Ms. Burt and, uh, and Mr. Wells. We're talking with Dory Burt, who is a mother of two uh, Eagle Scouts, uh, Robert Starling, longtime uh, scouting leader, and I believe you said, Mr. Starling, you, you have an, an Eagle Scout in the family? Um, and I think Mr. Starling is an Eagle. Uh, yes, uh, Eagle Scout himself, and Kelton Wells, Eagle Scout and current USU student. And we are debating whether or not Boy Scouts of America should lift their national ban on admission of openly gay leaders and scouts. The decision, which uh, was possibly going to be made this week, uh, has uh, been delayed till May. But there's a lot of pressure on both sides, under the BSA, 
the organization may make that decision in May. And uh, we're talking about the issue today with you. And you're welcome to join the conversation at 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495, or upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. More coming up following the break. On the next Putumayo World Music Hour... It's a Valentine's Day special with love songs from Brazil, Ireland, France, Nigeria, and Australia. You say that your love was just for me. I'm Dan Storper. And I'm Rosalie Howarth. Join us for Love Songs Around the World, the next Putumayo World Music Hour. Friday night at 11 on Utah Public Radio. Support for Utah Public Radio was provided by the law firm of Hilliard, Anderson, and Olson, with offices at the Riverwoods Business Complex at 600 Main. South in Logan, concentrated practice areas include real estate and business and tax law. Information is at hao-law.com. Thanks for listening to Access U Time. Tom Williams. We're talking about uh, admission or no of uh, gay, uh, openly gay scouts and uh, leaders. The National Organization of Boy Scouts of America was considering this, and uh, a possibility was and still is in a decision coming in May uh, that uh, the national organization would allow uh, individual units to make this decision and lift their national ban. Of course, there's been a lot of discussion on this. We're continuing that discussion here with Dory Burt, who is the mother of two Eagle Scouts, uh, a USU student and an Eagle Scout himself, Calton Wells, and a longtime scouter, Robert Starling. And you're welcome to join this conversation. High stakes, of course, in terms of money and uh, morals and fairness uh, are probably how the two sides would characterize this debate. And uh, there is a possibility that uh, two of the largest sponsors of uh, organizations in scouting could uh, could pull their membership. Those uh, That's the Mormon Church and the Catholic Church. So they together account for 25% of boys uh, in the scouting uh, program. On the other side, a lot of uh, corporate money, uh, some $269 million in revenues. A lot of that comes from corporate sponsorships, and uh, some of those corporate sponsors are urging the scouts to lift this national ban. The number is 1-800-826-1495, one 826 1495 and the uh, email is access at gmail.com, We do have a caller. We want to go to, uh, to the caller first, and after that... Uh, We'll uh, get a response to some of the points that Mr. Uh, Starling was making before the break. Let's go to uh, Aggie in uh, Weber County. Aggie, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you very much. It's, uh, it's a good topic of discussion. Uh, I'd like to speak to one of the first points that I heard, and that was that for 103 years, um, this has worked fine for scouting. 103 years ago, I doubt very much that there were any black members. The you know, times have changed. People have realized that rights are rights, human rights, and it doesn't matter what race, creed, color, or sexual orientation you have. It's an inalienable right given by, by the Constitution, and that's really all I've got to say. Okay, thank you, Aggie. Well, let me get a response from Mr. Starling. I think you, you made that point that for 100 years or so, uh, scouting is, has uh, towed this course. Uh, Aggie is, is saying it's, if it's a wrong course, then maybe we ought to change it. Well, again, going back to the question of civil rights, you know, that, that there's, that's been a big part of the argument is that the, uh, the homosexual uh, uh, activists have been comparing uh, this issue to the civil rights movement. But civil rights had to do with individuals and the government, not individuals in a private organization. There is no civil right to force your way into a group whose values and lifestyles are not your own. On the contrary, the Constitution guarantees the freedom of association and assembly on a voluntary basis. And the, the ability of an organization to determine you know, its own membership. I guess the biggest question is here, why? Why are the homosexual act- activists so intent on getting the Boy Scouts of America to change. You know, as, uh, as Colton has, has uh, I, I assume that, that, uh, that he's gay, and uh, he's an Eagle Scout. I, no, I'm not. <laughs> no, I don't no. think he, he had, he had a couple right, well, of gay let's, friends. Let's take, it away, let's take it away from that. I'm sorry. If, if a person, if a boy wanted to become a scout and, and just didn't say anything, you know, there's no, no time in scouting where you sit down with the scoutmaster and he says, are you gay? 
So if a person wanted to become a scout and to participate in the organization and just not make a, a big deal out of his sexual orientation, he could, you know, participate in the organization and, and you know, gain all the things he wants to do. But why is it so important that, you know, they want to uh, change the organization so that you can be openly gay and preach that, you know, uh, orientation or whatever, it seems to me that if they just want to be part of scouting, they, they could do that right now if they really wanted to. So I think there's a, there's a further agenda. They want to change the organization. They talk about what a great organization it is, and want, that's why they want to be part of it. Oh, but we want to change it. So that really doesn't make sense to me. Let me get a response first from Kelton Wells. Do you, do you think, uh, first of all, the, the, the motivation, the impetus, do you, do you think it's coming from, uh, from where Mr. Starling uh, believes it is? And, and what would the change be in the, in the BSA, good or, good or bad? No, you know, I truly believe that this is an issue of right and wrong. It, it's not an issue of changing the fundamentals of scouting. Uh, Mr. Sterling brought up um, that part of the scout law and the scout oath is being morally straight, and that applies equally to homosexuals and heterosexual individuals. And so, to me, the idea that um, we need to bar gay people or gay boys from being members of scouting because of that, it just doesn't all fit together because that is then assuming that all gay youth are sexually involved. And it also assumes then that all heterosexual youth aren't sexually involved. And I think we all could agree that that is an untruth. And so it, it's, what it is is it's setting up a double standard for Not really, because if I could inject just for just a moment, because just, no just a moment, we'll... and asks a heterosexual youth, "Are you sexually involved? And if you are, you're out of the organization." No one does that, and so it's setting up a double standard for someone who identifies as homosexual. Okay, yeah, Mr. Stone, go ahead. For many years. Uh, I can say that if I had a boy who was, you know, bragging about his heterosexual conquests, you know, when we're in a scout meeting or whatever, he would have a very good, difficult time staying in my scout troop. So I don't think it, you know, it, it is fair and it is the same. It's morally straight refers to not only homosexual activity, but any sexual activity outside of marriage, which is not morally straight. But I think there's a fundamental difference between being sexually involved and someone identifying as gay. And that is where the issue of right or wrong comes in. Let me uh, let me turn the uh, let me turn the conversation uh, back to Dory Burt. Uh, I want to have have you uh, respond to something that uh, Mr. Starling said before the break, sure. and and I've heard this uh, articulated as well by uh, Governor Perry of, of Texas. Mm. Uh, they both are saying that uh, sexuality that's not a part of the, the the Boy Scouts, nor nor should it be. It's it's you know raising morally uh, straight boys it's it's having good uh, outdoor activities uh, that this is you know maybe this is injecting more discussion of sexuality than th- that wasn't there before and it, it shouldn't be especially at these younger ages as mr starling is, is talking about well i don't think the boys are the ones injecting sexuality into this discussion i think uh the grown-ups are and you know, I, I think I believe there was a letter campaign and there were over a million signatures formed or something. And so to characterize this as just a homosexual activist overtaking it seems a really unfair characterization. Um, and and it, Mr. Starling had said that, you know, 12 and 13 year old boys shouldn't be talking about sex. and They're not. And um, they're just going and having fun. 
and wanting to be trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. Those are not values that are dependent on someone's sexual orientation. And the, re- the emphasis and the ability and the opportunity to practice and put into play all those values should be open to all boys. And, you know, I, I was at my church house um, last night and, and the boys were working on putting together a sled for the Klondike Derby. And I just was in the lobby waiting and I just watched them and thought, you know, that it doesn't matter what the orientation of these boys are. They're there having fun. And so I think it's the grown-ups that need to start to, excuse me, to stop sexualizing this issue. But the boys do not care and they're not um, in, they don't want to be in scouts to, have sexual conquests. They want to have fun and they want to tie things and they want to build fires. Oh my gosh, do they ever want to build fires? And that is not a heterosexual nor a homosexual thing. In that that's that's a kind of a a kid thing to want to do. And so we're we're shutting the door on a huge segment of society saying, "Look at this great thing that we have, but yeah, we care about boys. We care about building character." Uh, just not your character. And that's just, that's, excuse me, that's just wrong. And um, we can, we can do better as a society. As Aggie said, um, is that correct? I think, I hope I got, Mm -hmm. I hope I got that right. You know, yeah, for 103 years, I believe both, uh, I think Mr. Starling said, this policy has served the scouting program well enough. Well, the policies are not to serve the program. They're to serve boys. And, boys. and we have learned, and for heaven's sakes, I certainly hope have evolved and be- become better people um, in 103 years. And so as we get more information and evolve, yeah, we realize, hey, we can make some improvement and it won't hurt the program one bit. It, it, I don't see anything that would be anything but a strengthening of program and a strengthening of voice. Let me, uh, I think Ms. Starling wanted to respond. Let me give the phone number again and have people uh, comment if they would like to on, on this issue. 1-800-826-1495. You're welcome to join the conversation. 1-800-826-1495. Or you can uh, join us by email at upraxis at gmail.com. Upraxis at gmail.com. We have about five minutes left in this discussion. Then we're going to go on uh, to uh, uh, Rebecca Chavez Hauk, representative from uh, from Utah, one eight hundred eight two six one four nine five or upraxis at gmail dot com. I do have a uh, an email comment, but I, I think Mr. Starling, you wanted to uh, respond. Well, I, I would agree um, with uh, Dory that um, it is the adults who are in- injecting uh, sexuality into scouting where it really does not belong. And that the program and, and the uh, opportunities for activities and things really should not really have anything to do with sexuality. And that's why I say that, you know, it, 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 I agree that it is the grown-ups. And the question is, why are they injecting it? Why do they want to change uh, a boy... Um, who um, wants to be a part of scouting uh, can do so. Just don't make a big deal about, you know, well, I'm gay or this, that, and the other, you know. That that doesn't really have to be part of the uh, of the uh, boys' experience in scouting. Uh, as far as the, the harm that can be done by changing uh, the policy, um, certainly the LDS Church, in, in my opinion, um, as well as other organizations uh, would would pull out of the National Council of Boy Scouts of America. Uh, there's already been a statement from the Southern Baptists, who also have a large number of scouts. Uh, I did a little research, and the quote from the, their spokesman said, the Southern Baptist Convention is warning that its members may boycott the Boy Scouts if they drop the national prohibition on gay members, even if the new policy would allow local troops to have the autonomy to Autonomy to either end or maintain the ban. They characterize it would be a death blow to scouting, and I and I really think it would be because you're going to have uh, at least 25, 30 percent of the membership pull out of the national organization, um, which would would be a, a, a blow to the national scouting organization. I would not want to see that happen. 
Let me, uh, excuse me, right. I, we're, we're getting to the part of the program where we're, we're, we're getting the calls and we're getting the comments. We'll, we'll have to ask everyone, including our callers, to be brief. Let me get in this uh, email response. Uh, I appreciate the, the response, by the way. We have to get on to, uh, sen- uh, to Representative Chavez Hauk here shortly. Uh, here's a comment from Lynn McNeil and Logan. In response to your guest, you pointed out that 12- and 13-year-old boys uh, shouldn't be having sex with either gender and that uh, sex shouldn't be a focus at that age. I just wanted to point out that sexual orientation goes far beyond the specific question of sexual intercourse. Sexual orientation is also about having a crush on someone, falling in love, and finding dates for school dances, all of which are age-appropriate. Nothing is being, uh, quote-unquote, preached when young people talk about a heterosexual crush why is it considered, uh, quote-unquote, preaching a lifestyle when a homosexual crush is discussed? That's from Lynn McNeil and Logan. Uh, I wonder, Mr. Starling, if you want to have a very brief response to that. Well, I think we're, we we end up getting on a slippery slope there, the whole idea of uh, characterizing. Relate- I mean, I, I had a lot of good, you know, male friends growing up, and, I, you know, I wouldn't put it into the romantic kind of terms of a crush but i had i had great friendships and uh but i certainly wouldn't uh have uh you know wanted to take my friend to the school prom if i wanted to you know if i didn't want to take a a female date i'd I'd go by myself I, i think again there are activist groups who are trying to inject the sexuality uh, and the homosexuality into an area that it just does not belong. Let's go, uh, let's get uh, fit a couple of callers in here. We're glad you called uh, Terry and Tremont, and thanks for calling. Uh, go, go ahead, Terry. Uh, maybe we should go to Julie. And Julie and Logan, are you there? I'm here. Yes, go ahead. Um, I know you're trying to be brief, so I'll just kind of run down what I'm thinking listening to all this. I'm hearing a lot of talk about sex and sexual orientation as, you know, a moral thing or an immoral thing, and the point has been made, at least through LDS church um, eyes, that the being uh, uh, LGBT is not the issue. Um, I think that the more we focus this on a sex talk, the more it is a misguided stereotype that to be LGBT is all about the bedroom, and to be straight is all about being a well-rounded person. Um, but all of us have a sexual orientation, and that has very, very little to do with scouting. Um, I think that point has been made. The point that I want to add to that is that what I'm hearing from the Boy Scouts is that they want to open a door. They don't want to exact a mandate on anyone. And as we sit here in a community that is quite LDS, quite Republican. Those sound to me like both LDS values and Republican values. LDS values have a lot to do with personal agency, giving people the freedom to make choices, whatever they be, however we gauge whether those are right, wrong choices. That's not the issue. The LDS value is to allow choice. Republicans value local control. They value not mandating things from the top down. And what I hear the Boy Scouts saying is that they want to open a door for local organizations to open that door themselves or to leave it closed. It's a local choice. So I'm not sure I understand the objection to simply giving local organizations the power to open a door if they choose. Choice and local control, I think, speaks to the majority of us in Utah. Thank you, Julie. Appreciate, appreciate your call. Go ahead. The first time you go to a, a, a district uh, campery, such as a Klondike or whatever, and uh, if, even if your own troop uh, or whatever uh, decides, you know, we're not going to have gay scouts in our troop or gay scout leaders, the moment that you go to uh, um, a district or council-wide activity with other troops and whatever who may have selected a different choice, then you've got a situation, and I know that I, as a grandparent, my uh, my daughter as a parent, and many others I've talked to, um, they don't want their their young twelve or thirteen year old boys to be uh, in a camping situation with a uh, a gay scout leader, for example. Who and it's, this is not just about boys, but about leaders as well. And uh, they would be uncomfortable with that. Therefore, they're going to pull their son predator. out of the organization. Uh, Kelton, I I heard you there. You wanted to respond. Well, I have an issue with that vein of thinking because it 
perpetuates this thought that being gay equates being a sexual predator. And that's, number one, offensive, and number two, has been statistically proven to be incorrect when you look at research about sexual predators. Well, de- defining how you mean predator, I mean, there is a lot of, of seducing of young, young boys by, by older homosexuals, and uh, I think every, every young boy uh, who enters the, uh, the uh, homosexual lifestyle at some point, there was a seduction that took place that, that brought about his first sexual experience. And I don't want to see that happening uh, to, you know, to boys that I know on a scout uh, outing or a scout opportunity. Dory Burt, uh, you wanted to weigh in here. Yeah, I would like to weigh in. And um, I think, you know, the, the Boy Scouts already have the youth protection program in place. And so if we're concerned about adult leaders, heterosexual or homosexual, making inappropriate overtures and abusing children, there's already a program in place. And so it's not that shouldn't change a bit. Um, but I, I, and I do want to go back to something that was said, how homo, boys who are some homosexual, and I, I, this really has so little to do with orientation. It has to do with opening up a wonderful program to all boys regardless. But um, Mr. Starling had said, you know, they should just kind of sneak through. But that's a violation of the core values of scouting, where you pledge to be honest. And it was not too long ago that a, a boy... Um, was not awarded his eagle. And so we can't just say, hey, just, you know, keep it on the down low and don't tell anybody. And as far as I just wanted to also respond to the churches, I am not afraid at all about my LDS church pulling out of the scouting program if the ban is listed. Oh, I wanted to make another point. It's it's according to um, studies that I've researched, it's not troop by troop. It's chartering organization. So a troop doesn't have the freedom to choose if they're going to allow gay scouts and leaders or not. Their chartering organization will make, make that decision. But really, lifting the ban is in absolute direct accordance, 100% with my LDS religion, where according to uh, official statement and in the church handbook, no callings or responsibilities should be n- denied somebody because they are gay. And That's so, not true. They are hmm. not allowed to have any calling or responsibility where they are dealing with young people. And that's in the handbook. Uh, no, that's not true. Well, we'll have to, on that disagreement, we'll have to leave it uh, right there because we're out of time. Uh, uh, interesting uh, argument, uh, arguments and interesting debate, and we'll have to have you uh, continue this online. You can certainly do that at upr.org, upr.org. And we'll, I'm sure, come back with another program, uh, perhaps in May when, when the, uh, the scouts are uh, closer to this decision. Uh, we appreciate our panel. Uh, good discussion. Robert Starling, longtime scouter, thank you so much. Thank you for uh, for having this discussion, and I appreciate the opportunity to be part of it. Uh, Kelton Wells, an Eagle Scout and, and USU student, thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, yes, yeah, thank you, Tom. And uh, Dory Burt, mother of two Eagle Scouts, thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Coming up following the break, we're going to uh, talk about a somewhat related uh, topic. Uh, Rebecca Chavez-Hauk, a Democrat from Salt Lake City, for the sixth year in a row, is running a bill that would allow Utahns in unmarried and same-sex relationships to adopt a partner's child. House Bill 214, we'll ask her why she's running it again after five failed attempts. That's coming up following the break. This is the BBC. Kinshasa. São Paulo. Basra. Hong Kong. Georgetown. London. BBC covers the world Monday through Saturday afternoons at 3 here on Utah Public Radio. On this part of Access Utah, we're talking with Representative Rebecca Chavez-Hauk. For the sixth year in a row, she is sponsoring House Bill 214, which would allow Utahns in unmarried and same-sex relationships to adopt a partner's child. Representative Chavez-Hauk, welcome to the program. Thanks. Thank you. So, uh, five years previous, this is not passed. Uh, Why a sixth year in a row? Well, I mean, the way I've always looked at this bill is that as long as all Utah families are not being treated equitably, I intend to run this bill. Um, You know, this is continuing to run the bill for me provides an opportunity for families in our community to talk about the challenges they face and not having peace of mind. 
um, the way I always look at it is I always look at it through my own eyes, the eyes of a, of a mom, you know, and I think about if something were to happen to me, uh, my children are older now, but when they were younger, if something had happened to me when I was younger, um, that they would have their father there for them if something, if I passed away or something happened to me. And not all Utah families have that peace of mind. Um, uh, moms and dads go to bed at night thinking that if something happened to them that possibly their children would be taken away from the only other parents that they've known. And um, that as long as that is the way our situation is here in Utah, um, I will continue to run the bill. So this is, uh, I expect, a, somewhat of a correction to, in your view anyway, to the uh, the ban that Utah adopted in 2000 on uh, same-sex right. couple adoptions. Right, yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of interesting if you're thinking about an evolution. Uh, you know, we actually did were a lot more equitable prior to 2000, and then we passed this the law back in 2000 that prohibits people that are couples that are cohabitating uh, to adopt children. And the first year that I ran the bill, I tried to make it kind of a blanket adoption bill where any cohabitating couple could adopt. And now what I'm doing is looking at at least assuring for biological parents or parents that have legal rights to a child to be able to determine whether who they would like to co-parent with. Um, so it, it is definitely a second parent adoption bill that the child needs to be the legal child. The parent needs to be the legal parent of a child and their um, the sole parent for a child before that they could move into um, pursuing second parent adoption with another adult. So this would only be in cases where there are no other parents involved, right? Just the single parent, and that parent having the right to decide. Uh, I want to have my partner have mm-hmm. legal rights here. Right, that's precisely it. Uh, now, uh, I'm reading a story, uh, by the way, Brooke Adams' story in Salt Lake Tribune, mm-hmm. uh, Williams Institute at UCLA, census data from 2005-2009, 24% of Utah's same-sex couples are raising children together. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And I think that I think that the more that uh, people realize these are friends and neighbors and coworkers and others in their community, and all they want is to do what's best for their children, and they want to be able to have their child grow up in a healthy, nurturing home. Um, You know, the way we look at it, the way I look at it, is that adoption and parenting are all about creating loving, stable homes for kids and about making sure that children have the nurturing environment that allows them to thrive and succeed. So, um, you know, these parents just want to be able to have the rights that other parents have, that heterosexual parents have in this community. What are the arguments that you've, you've had five previous years of hearing arguments against this, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Is it religious? Is it a concern about Utah's constitutional ban on, on gay marriage? What, uh, oh what are the objections? It's, it's, I would have to say it's all of the above. You know, there, there are concerns that, there, that this is a threat to, amend, to the, the amendment, um, that the constitutional amendment that passed a few years ago, and it isn't. I mean, this is, this is not marriage. This is uh, assuring that children stay with the parents that they know. Uh, and that they have all of the uh, protections that are afforded to a child that is an adopted child versus someone that maybe is granted guardianship. Uh, currently, as I understand that, that you know you can designate someone as a guardian, but that doesn't always give the child everything that they need. They can't get Social Security benefits. Sometimes insurance doesn't follow through with children of, of, in guardianship situations as, they, as it would as ardently as if they were adopted by a, a co-parent or a second parent. So. Um, yeah, as you know, there, there's all of those arguments. There's arguments about, you know, society determining what's in the best interest of a child. And um, I find that really kind of interesting in this state, which usually is very ardently supportive of parental rights. So um, so those are some of the arguments. You, you hear you often hear a lot of studies that uh, unfortunately have been um, found to be disreputable about, you know, whether or not children in, in LGB families thrive and survive and do well, and they do. Um, and so, um, you know, there's, there's, you know, I would, you know, welcome you to have a conversation with people that have a concern with it. But the way I look at it is, you know, these children do fine. These families are doing fine, and they just want to be treated like any other parents and families. And you would, I'm hearing you, if I've heard you correctly, You'd be reassuring people who are concerned about the constitutional amendment. The, the, in your view, this is not a it's not a slippery slope argument to, toward um, reversing what was a, a pretty popular constitutional amendment. Yeah, you know that's a big 
a hurdle to jump over. And that's, I have no intention in moving that direction at this point. You know, obviously I believe in, personally believe in marriage equality, but a constitutional change is a formidable hill to, to navigate. And right now what I'm interested in is making sure that children are able to stay with the parents that they know and love. Mm-hmm. And um, that is my prevailing interest and my prevailing priority in this with this whole issue. And this is what this bill deals with. This bill deals with making sure that families stay together. We're talking with the Representative Rebecca Chavez-Hauk, uh, who is for the sixth year in a row running a bill which would allow Utahns in unmarried and same-sex relationships to adopt a partner's child. House Bill 214, uh, you have said that um, one of the reasons you, you run this bill is so that people can come and tell their stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wonder, are, are there, uh, is there a story that especially sticks out in your mind that really affects you? Wow. I mean, it's just every time I hear one, <laughs> they're, they're all very compelling, and they're as unique as the families are themselves. And I think that that's why I want to give the individual families an opportunity to have conversations with their legislators. And I think that that's why it's so important to me to continue running the bill is um, I often think that my colleagues don't realize that LGBT families are in their community. They're their families. They're, they're, I mean, they're their neighbors, their coworkers, their people they see at the grocery store. And um, they do a wonderful job of raising their children. And I want the families to have an opportunity to introduce themselves to their legislators and to talk about um, what their hopes and dreams are for their families. And um, I think this just provides a fora for that to, that conversation to continue. Um, and so, yeah, I, the, the oh, so many compelling stories. I mean, there was one that actually didn't. I'm sure that the scenario occurs in Utah. I don't have. Specific, a specific case in Utah that's similar to this, but I have heard of a couple that uh, was from Florida, and um, their their situation was the couple was on a trip out of the country, uh, and one of the the biological mother of the children uh, became very ill, became terminally ill. She I can't remember whether she had a stroke or something happened to her, um, and number one, the partner her partner could not see her in the hospital. Uh, and she ended up dying. She passed away. And then the children, who were her biological children, the dead woman's biological children, were sent away to uh, live with a family member when um, the partner uh, of that, the deceased woman, was not able to have those children. She was not able to adopt those children. And they had known her as their second mother all their lives. So, you know, these things happen. And that's why when I hear those stories, um, it is, I go back to thinking about my life and the comfort that I have in knowing that if something happens to me, that my children's other parents, their father would be there for them. And I really want that for every other child. And I want every other couple to have that peace of mind. And so this just really, I'm hoping this will give people an opportunity, families an opportunity to have a conversation with their legislators about this issue. There are other adoption issues, I think, in fact, in this session of the legislature. Mm-hmm. I wonder if people are contacting you about other adoption issues. If you, uh, I don't know if you, you go and read the comments in, in the newspaper stories, there's mm-hmm. a, a long discussions about everything but gay adoption. Um, mm-hmm. For example, railing against sealed adoptions, um, trying to get uh, better uh, rights for fathers in adoption mm-hmm. situations. Any of these others that you perhaps will be running bills on? Uh, I won't be running bills myself. I know that I, I was following with a lot of interest last year the one related to birth fathers and some of the challenges that we have here in Utah uh, related to the fact that uh, there that it is very easy for uh, folks to adopt children who may not have been released, for lack of a better word, uh, from the, the birth father having known that he either has a child that has been born uh, or that the child is being adopted. Um, and I, and I actually have some concerns about Utah being seen as, for lack of a better term, a baby shop, you know, where uh, adoptive parents have maybe uh, too much ease in being able to adopt and perhaps uh, loving birth mothers and fathers um, are either coerced into making the decision that they may not be later comfortable with um, or not even being told of the situation as it has been 
told with the number of cases with birth fathers. So um, I, I, I think that there is a predominant perspective in this state that there are good families that babies can be with and bad families that babies can be with or children can be with. And I think that that is very sad. Uh, and I think that it um, predisposes our state to kind of draw, um, to, to kind of get this this reputation as being a, uh, a again, a lack, lack of a better way of putting a baby store where people can just come and adopt kids and it may not respect the due process of the parents, the birth parents, as, uh, as ardently as we should be. Finally, uh, the, our subject for earlier in the hour today has been uh, the upcoming decision from Boy Scouts of America, whether or not to uh, open up, reverse their decision, uh, banning uh, gay scouts and gay leaders. I don't know if you have a position on it. Well, as a former Girl Scout, as a lifelong Girl Scout, um, I am glad to hear that the Boy Scouts are finally evaluating um, the opportunity to invite all young men um, in, into the program and to uh, allow young men, whoever they are, um, to participate in the program. Uh, Girl Scouts have been very flexible in um, respecting the sexual orientation of their members for a number of years, and I think that uh, they've been able to do that very easily and without trouble or, or, or problem. And I think the Boy Scouts will be able to do that if they uh, keep the spirit of who they are in terms of being welcoming and encouraging young men of character to participate in the program, um, that they should be fine. And I think that um, a lot of young men who may have felt uh, ostracized and or who would have been interested in the great elements of the program um, but have felt that they've not been that they wouldn't be welcome to participate. Uh, now we'll be able to do so, and I think that there are some more progressive troops that have probably already been doing this. You know, just welcoming young men for who they are, uh, and so I'm just glad to see that they will operationalize this as an organization. We've been talking with Representative Rebecca Chavez-Hauk, a Democrat from Salt Lake City. For the sixth year in a row, she's running a bill that would allow Utahns in unmarried and same-sex relationships to adopt a partner's child. Uh, it's House Bill 214. By the way, Representative, uh, people who are interested in House Bill 214 have a comment on it uh, and want to influence their legislator. What's the best way to go about it? Well, if they want to contact their specific legislator, which is what I would encourage them to do, um, oftentimes I think that my colleagues here from one side of this discussion versus another, they can look at our legislative website, which is www.le.utah.gov. And on the sidebar of that webpage, there's a way that you can search your, your legislator. If you scroll all the way down to the bottom of the webpage, you can actually put your address. And it'll, if you don't know who your legislators are, it'll pull up who your senator and your representative is, and you can send them an email from there. House Bill 214 is the bill we've been talking about. Representative Rebecca Chavez-Hauk, thank you so much. Thank you. And to finish the program, a uh, an email comment we wanted to get in. Uh, this is from uh, Carla in St. George. I agree completely with Ms. Burt. She's talking sense. Keep letting your voice be heard. Coming up tomorrow on the program, Utah author Betsy Scow. Her interesting story is uh, profiled in a new book, Finished Being Fat, an accidental adventure in losing weight and learning how to finish. That's tomorrow. For producer Shalane Smith-Needham, I'm Tom Williams. Thanks.